We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Rob Doster here for the Field of 60. Today, we are bringing you another episode in our Off the Carousel series, where we will be joined by each and every new head coach to the Division One ranks. There are almost 60 of them. We're going to be rolling these out a couple of days throughout the month of May and the month of June. So make sure that you subscribe to the channel. And if you like this interview, don't be afraid to tap that like button. That stuff really does help our channel and help our presence on YouTube. It helps more people like you find this content. And since I have you guys here, make sure that you check out our Instagram and TikTok pages. We are going to be pumping out more unique content over there throughout the summer heading into next season. Like, for example, did you know that Penny Hardaway was shot when he was a player in college? I bet you didn't know that. There are more stories like that on those pages. The links are in the description below. So now, without further ado, let's get into another edition of Off the Carousel. All righty, guys, Andrew Robinson here with the Field of 68, and this is a new episode of Off the Carousel, and today, man, I am joined by none other than the newest head coach of George Washington men's basketball program, Chris Caputo. So, Coach Caputo, man, thank you for joining us today, man. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Excited no to be on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, we, we, we go we go a little uh, go a little ways back, Coach, so I'm happy to kind yeah. of reconnect with you, man, kind of uh, just get your thoughts on, obviously, the, uh, the, 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 the new gig, man, so... You know, I'm we're gonna go ahead and get right into it, man. So, oh, actually, Coach, man, right now, you know, you're you're 41 years young. You know, you're still you're still in your prime. Well, at least for like another month and a half, then I'll be 42 years young, hopefully. Hey, it's still young. You know what I'm saying? Still young, baby. Yeah. But uh, you know, you've been a coach uh for for about 17 years now, as far as um actually you know on staff and everything. What made this time right to take this UW job? Like, why why try to get you know to to kind of Lead coach Larry Nagy's bench to kind of make that leap to be a head coach now. Well, I, you know, I thought obviously um, I, I I'd been involved uh, with some different jobs throughout the years, and uh, you know, for me, I was looking for a particular fit. I've been patient; it's kind of my personality. Um, and you know, to 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 be back in the DMV, to be an institution that I think I'm, you know, while I never worked at GW, but very familiar with from my time here at George Mason, uh, being at a private, you know, academic type school that, you know, similar to Miami in that sense, uh, made sense to me. And so 
I thought there was a lot of synergy there in terms of my beliefs and uh, and what I thought GW stood for. And obviously, like, like you mentioned, man, I mean, you were part of a magical run uh, to the Final Four at George Mason not too long ago, you know, Sam. Uh, so it's getting longer like, every every day, right? It's getting longer. Yeah, it's crazy. Further crazy. away. Right, man. Uh, but you, you were part of a magical run there, man. Like, what about, you know, GW specifically are you most excited about? I think there's tremendous potential here. You know, obviously, you know, we go back to the 2006 Final Four run at George Mason. People forget GW, I think, had gotten to, like, number three in the country or something at that point, you know, they had had, uh, if you go back and look, Carl Hobbs had, had done an incredible job. And um, so I was very familiar about what success at GW would look like. Right. Uh, and then obviously when you combine that with our location and the quality of the institution, the quality of the Atlantic 10 conference, uh, the opportunity to recruit, you know, not just within the DMV, but also internationally and, and having success in the transfer portal at Miami and GW having historical success with transfers, I felt like there was a lot of things uh, that led me to believe like a lot of opportunity was here. Right, right. I mean, that's kind of a great segue because I wanted to ask you, man. I mean, when I'm thinking about you guys' team last year at Miami, man, that obviously made that that run to the Elite Eight. You know, Charlie Moore is the transfer. Uh, Cam Augusti is the transfer. You know, Jordan Mills is the transfer from from George Mason. Like you guys, really drive was bringing in older guys. Um, and guys that were really ready to contribute right away out of the portal. Um, is that a strategy that you plan to kind of bring to GW? Well, I think everybody obviously now is is in that market, right? I think what people may not know is, you know, at Miami, you know, George Mason really didn't have many transfers at all. And uh, it was a different era. But at Miami, you know, we went to two Sweet 16s and an Elite Eight. And on all, all three of those teams – three of the five starters were transfers. Mm. So we're very comfortable in that space. Uh, now, you know, in the old days, they would sit out and you had a year of development. I thought that was a good thing for many guys, uh, not just on the court, but academically as well. We're in a different place now in terms of the transfer portal and immediate eligibility, but I do think it's something that we're going to look to to leverage uh, here. Yeah. I want to ask you, Coach. I mean, obviously, you you've been with with Coach Larinaga, you know, every step of the way here, man. And uh, I mean, what do you what do you think you're going to take from him most? Kind of uh, obviously in this new journey that that, that Sharon Barkley, you know, just things that you learned from him uh, along the way. Well, obviously, a lot of things. You know, uh, Coach is so good at so many different things within a college basketball program: coaching, recruiting, organizing, his care for the players. Uh, you know, he's so he's a legendary coach. He's a Hall of Fame level coach. Conversely, I, I do have to be myself. We're not the same person, even though we were together for 20 years. Uh, and so, you know, trying to find a way to sort of balance the idea of being myself while also taking all the, the things that I learned from coaches is, is, you know, both the challenge and the opportunity. What are the chances we're going to see Coach Computer coming in the locker room, busting out a little, a little dance after a win? Yeah, he's a, he's a much better dancer than I am, so I don't, I don't know that I'm going to have that ability. <laughs> nice, 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 Coach. Um, now obviously, you know, you, you know, being a head coach, now you have, you know, the responsibility of, of putting together a staff. And, um, you know, we've heard that now you, uh, Dwayne Lee, Brendan Strong, the guys that could potentially be on your staff. Uh, Eric Rubenstein was the guy that was announced that's going to be uh, recruiting. Um, just talk about, you know, your staff 
kind of what each of those guys are going to bring uh, to your staff. And then I'm uh, kind of what are you looking to do with, with, with the last uh, spot on the bench, uh, you know, that's, that you're going to occupy? Sure. Well, we're, we're working through the last spot and you, you try to build the staff almost like you build the team. You know, you try to have guys that are smart, that are hardworking, that are great teammates, uh, that have great integrity, that are great role models for the players um, with experiences that are diverse. And, you know, for me, uh, you know, we have NBA experience with Eric. We have uh, playing uh, and coaching in the Atlantic 10 with Dwayne. And we have coaching in the Atlantic 10 and great history of, of success in the DMV with, with Brendan. Uh, we have Lamont Franklin on staff, who's invaluable, uh, was, was with us at Miami from the DMV. Veteran coach, uh, knows GW because he had been here. Lamont's with us, going to stay with us here. And then uh, we hired uh, Cooper Handelsman, uh, who is a very bright guy, was a really good player at Kenyon College, uh, and has been with the Hoop Group, and then also uh, was at Brown as an assistant coach. So you get that experience at a high academic school, and uh, he's our director of basketball operations. So, you know, diverse uh, experiences uh, with really good people. Of course, man. I mean, I I couldn't remember the last time uh, GW was in the NCAA tournament, man. I think it was the 2014 season. I was a senior uh, at Springbrook High School, man. And I mean, they had a super talented team. I remember, yeah, like Patricio Garino, Kevin Larson, and guys like that. And you mentioned, obviously, you know, when when you guys went to the Final Four, GW being the top five team in the country. I want to ask you, man, because I mean, I've I've heard a lot of coaches, you know, when when they get the job at at a school like GW, man, they say, oh, you know, we want GWB. You know, the, the best mid-major on the East Coast. So we want GW to get to a, a Final Four and things like that. And I want to know for you, man, like, I mean, obviously, as you know, man, I mean, in order to reach a Final Four, like you guys did at George Mason and VCU and almost did this year at Miami, a lot of things have to go right. You almost have to be, you know, a, a, a little bit lucky as well. Sure. So I want to ask you, man, like, what does success look like for you um, at GW? Sure. It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I... I think you'll learn we don't talk much about winning. We, we talk about how we're getting there. You know, we don't talk about the destination. We talk about how we're getting all the little things we need to do to compete in every area uh, that, that goes into building a successful basketball program uh, in the Atlantic 10. And, you know, what I would tell you is success here, you know, really is just the idea that we're building a sustainable program that competes at the top of the Atlantic 10. And all the things that go into that are going to be where our focus is. You know, we don't, again, no one this year, I think, thought we would be 20 minutes away, up six with the ball to start the second half uh, from going to the final four at Miami. Certainly nobody, uh, when we lose by 20 at home to Creighton in 2006, uh, five, six season, uh, thinks we're going to be in the final four, uh, you know, I think we were picked third or fourth in 2011 at George Mason. And we wound up, you know, winning the league and winning a game, beating Villanova in the NCAA tournament. I think 2013 picked fourth or fifth. We win the league and go to the sweet 16. So, you know, like I don't try to focus too much on the results. And I know that's a cliche these days, but it is really a belief that, you know, you just try to look at every section of the program and how do we, compete in every one of those areas in the Atlantic 10. Right, right. I also want to ask you, man, I mean, in, in my opinion, I mean, the Atlantic 10 is just getting 
better and better and stronger and stronger, man, as the year goes on. I mean, some of the coaches that are coming to the league, man, you got Frank Martin, who's been to a Final Four, you know, Archie Miller, who's been to an Elite Eight at Dayton. I mean, you got Drew Valentine coming in from Little Chicago. Uh, Obviously, already you got guys like Mike Rhodes, you know, Mark Schmidt, Chris Mooney. I mean, there are some amazing coaches. Yeah, Bob McKillop, Fran Dunphy. I mean, it just keeps going, you know. Amazing coaches in the last I mean, what do you – uh, I mean, what does it mean to you kind of to, to one, have the opportunity you know, to coach, be a head coach in Atlanta amongst, amongst you know, all, all, all those guys? And then number two, uh, what do you think of this about the, the state of the league, man? Because I think, you know, this next year, you know, has a chance to be one of the best years that the Atlanta has seen in, in, in a little while. Well, I'm certainly humbled to be a head coach in the Atlantic 10, knowing the history of the league and all the great coaches. Uh, you know, I mean, I could you could keep going, you know, tra- Travis Ford and – Chris Mooney and Billy Lang and Kim English. I mean, I, you know, if I'm, you know, missing somebody, you know, uh, th- th- I just think the league is is terrific and filled with really, really, really good coaches. And and so I'm humbled to be in that category. I grew up, you know, following the Atlantic Ten uh, as 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 a young person following college basketball with John Cheney and uh, John Calipari and. Um, you know, for me, it's it's really a dream come true in that sense. Uh, but it's uh, Coach Jarvis, you know, obviously, uh, you know, at that time. But uh, the league is great. The, the institutions are all basketball. Uh, growing up in New York City, following college basketball, playing college basketball, I'm honored to, to, to be in this situation. And uh, I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do our very best, as I said, to compete at the very highest levels uh in this league yeah. but we know it's not easy either and that's not you know for sure for sure now, i'm going to come back to, to, to gw man but i do kind of want to ask you this uh question about but miami this season and the, the crazy one that, that that you guys went on man i mean i can remember just watching you guys this season obviously you guys had that crazy you know road one at duke and i think that's when everybody kind of realized like, all right they, like they, these guys are legit um right and the run that you guys were able to go on in the tournament man i mean when you just reflect because i mean Coming into the year, I don't know what you guys would pick preseason in the ACC, but oh, like, 12. yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody thought you guys were. We knew we had a better team. I think we knew we had a better team, but you know, I, the joy that came from being around those guys every day, I, I have not felt, uh, you know, that type of joy where you really felt like the team was really for each other, came to work every single day, shared the credit high care factor for winning um just just a fun time and, and a special group to be remembered forever and i said it during the year late in the year um that th- this really was one of the best team if not the best team in the history of the university of miami and some of my other guys would probably get mad at me about that but then when we go to the elite eight then we really maybe were the best team because we went the furthest, you know, in the NCAA tournament. And so um, just incredibly proud of the group, the sacrifice that guys made. And it's funny, you know, you talk about sacrifices and yet everybody, everybody winds up having individual success as a part of that as well. So just great memory for me to leave after that. Um, You know, in some ways people say, why now? So I don't know if we can get any better than what we did there. That was not the fact that you get to the Elite Eight, because certainly you go to the Final Four and get further, and that, that can happen at Miami uh, under Coach L. But just the group and how special they were, uh, it was uh, 
just a, a, a pleasure to be around every day. Now, from, from a scheme perspective, like, I mean, I remember watching you guys play. Um, one of the things that I guess that I thought and a lot of other people in the media thought that made you guys so dangerous was that you guys had Isaiah Wong, Charlie Moore, and Cam Gussie that, honestly, if a play broke down, you guys could just give AO three guys the ball and they could go score, like, and create their own offense. And I think that kind of helped you guys in the tournament because, as you know, in the tournament, scouting reports are at an all-time high, game plans are at an all-time high, coaching is at an all-time high. So a lot of times, you know, other teams can take you out of your stuff and things like that. And then when you have guys – they can kind of create off the bounce, then it can take you a long way. Are you trying to implement kind of that same system at GW uh, where, you know, you're going to let your guards kind of go and, and play freely like that? Sure. I mean, I think what, the, you know, what was great about those guys is while they had individual abilities to go make plays on their own, their decision-making was so good. Yeah. Their choices and their sharing of the ball and the t- you know, picking their spots as to when uh, to share it, when to put it on the ground, when to shoot it. Uh, it's what made our team special. It's way, what's made those guys all conference and have special years. So, yeah, I think, you know, that's what I'll try to, in, you know, instill in the guys we have. Like, hey, look, all those guys could have scored 20 a game probably, uh, but we, they wouldn't have been as good and we wouldn't have been as good. And then also on the defensive end, you know, we just got progressively better as the season went on. We wound up leading the ACC in turnover percentage defense. So we really became a disruptive team. And then at, by uh, going into that second half against Kansas where they blitzed us, we had the best points per possession defense in the NCAA tournament, wow. which was incredible. If you think about where we came from defensively, we need, we knew we needed to get better defensively as the year went on, and certainly we did. So, I was again, I, I think those are great lessons for our guys and, and our coaching staff for that matter. Yep. Now, obviously, man, the, the transfer portal is something that's new to college basketball, but I guess the, the newest kid on the block is NIL. And that's what everybody's been talking about nowadays. Uh, we just saw, you know, Miami announced two crazy NIL deals for guys that, that that they're bringing in. But I want to ask you, man, obviously, you know, we're in Washington, D.C., you know, one of the biggest cities uh, in the country. How do you kind of plan to utilize NIL for your guys and kind of creating more opportunities for those guys to, uh, you know, earn, earn money? Well, b- because of my experience at Miami, I think I'm very, very attuned to the possibilities and I think there's tremendous opportunity in, in Washington. There's no doubt about that. And at GW, obviously we're working through that uh, and, and trying to figure out exactly, you know, the good news is that there is no state law here in DC. So we've got a little bit of the flexibility to sort of craft it maybe uh, from an institutional standpoint uh, as to how to how it should look. But I think there's tremendous opportunity here and we will be very aggressive in that world. Now, a lot of people have kind of said, obviously, you know, we just saw, you know, Jay Wright retire and Coach K retire. And a lot of people, you know, have said, you know, there's been a lot of conversation, like if, if the coaches kind of want to deal with NIL, like, you know, if, if, if you are if you have a basketball you know, program and, you know, we're trying to talk about X's and O's and what I can do for you on the basketball court. And other school just says, well, we can offer you X amount, X amount of more money in NIL. And that's the kind of differentiating factor between uh, what schools kids are picking. Like, how do you kind of navigate that as a coach, man? Like, do you think that NIL is, it's good for the sport. Do you think it's kind of yes. taking away some of the more important matters when it comes no. to basketball? Like, you know, what do you think about that? No, I think NIL is good. I mean, it's, uh, listen, this is United States. You should be compensated for your name, image, and likeness, right? I think um, you should not choose a school solely upon NIL, right? But NIL uh, can enhance your experience and, 
you know, put you in a position where maybe there's a lot of guys who may earn more money in NIL than they may ever earn playing basketball professionally. Right. And so uh, I think it's a great thing. I don't think it's why those coaches retired. I think, you know, knowing those guys a, a little bit, uh, it may have more to do with, with our schedule that does need to be probably looked at in terms of being the only two semester sport and the way our recruiting works and the way the transfer portal works and just the idea that we just never stop that just bleeds into the next thing, the next thing. I think, I think that would probably be well worth looking at. How do we uh, make some sense of the 365 calendar? Because I don't think there's any sport uh, professional or college that is sort of doing that where there's just absolutely no calendar. You just kind of, go from one thing to the next. And so I would say that probably for those guys was more to do with it. I don't, I think they were perfectly fine in the world of NIL. We all have to adjust. I'm excited about the opportunity for guys to, to earn some money uh, and, and give themselves an opportunity to put some money in not only maybe in their pockets, but also to help their families. And, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe they buy a condo or put a down payment with some of the numbers we're hearing uh, out there, which is, which would be tremendous for guys. So I'm, I'm a big, uh, pro NIL guy. Yep. Okay. That's great. That's great, man. And, uh, I got to ask you kind of a few more lighter hearted questions, man. You know, obviously, you know, you, like I said, coach at George Mason, you know, which was in Virginia. Now you're back in the city in DC, man. Have you tried any of the food spots around town? You know, you've got any favorite spots that you, that you've liked so far? I mean, what's your, well, I walk, you know, the great thing about GW is you can walk. So you can walk over to Circa, you can walk over to Whole Foods, you know, we had the team over to Tonic last night to watch the playoff games. Um, Zatania is like my favorite restaurant in D.C., which is near the where the Wizards play. It's a Jose Andres restaurant. Every, everybody in D.C. knows everyone in the world knows who Jose Andres is, uh, you know, as a chef, uh, because of all the good work he does with the food bank, you know, in all these places. But certainly 15, 17 years ago, I. I knew who he was because of Zatania. That was one of his first restaurants in DC, which I love. So certainly a lot of great restaurants here and, and I'll, I'm a big restaurant guy, so I'll, I'll enjoy them all. This has been great, man. Uh, thank you for your time, coach, man. It's always great catching up. I'm definitely going to hopefully try to uh, get down there, man. See you again. See you. Yes, guys, for sure. We're going to have you. For you sure. Man. Thank we'll you so much for your time, man. And uh, yep. I know we'll check it in with you soon. For sure. Come through. Yes, sir. Absolutely.